Hello, James. Welcome. Thanks for joining Hello. me. Hello. Thanks. Good to see you, Rich. Now, I've given a little bit of thought to our conversation because I read through your website and really appreciated, uh, yeah, the, the context and, and how coherent and straightforward it, it seemed to me, at least. Um, oh, but, good. <laughs> but for people who don't know anything about intentional society, it would be useful, I think, to at least start with just give us a bit of a download of the context. Like, who are you? What are you doing? Um, and then I've got some things that I'd like to talk about, but we can kind of go wherever. I'm interested in any part of what's happening in the community, what you're struggling with, what you've learned, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly been quite an adventure. Mm. So let's see. Yeah, hello, I'm James, and I retired from a software career last year. I think it was about a year and a half ago that we did the Micro Solidarity uh, course together, and that was kind of right around our... I was ending uh, that career uh, and heading out into the unknown. And some months later, uh, I started a community called Intentional Society, which is a community for people who want to grow. That's the simplest way to describe it around personal growth and self-development. It is a uh, virtual or online remote distributed uh, community. So effectively that means we get together on Zoom calls and we talk with each other. And that's the core activity of how and what we're doing. But we, uh, we get together and we try to um, grow ourselves. Uh, we want to be our biggest and best selves in and of ourselves. Uh, we wanna grow in our relationships. Uh, and in the way that we relate to other folks. And uh, we hope that that radiates out also to the communities and the systems that we're all a part of various intersecting uh, larger scale systems. So, yeah. Nice. And is there a particular orienting like philosophy or a particular framework or one, you know, one source of wisdom that you draw heavily from? Hmm. Uh, the the core concepts and there's two of them that maybe make up the like why start a why start a new thing why do something different rather than joining an existing is um, is a combination of adult development theory uh, kind of the psychological academic side of how do we grow and expand our perspective over our lifetime and relational practices on the practical side. Uh, and things that have you know, become more popular, I think, rate lately, like authentic relating, circling, collective presencing. Uh, there's these set of maybe psychotechnologies and practices uh, that that people are doing and getting great, um, just um, impact uh, and power and and development for themselves and with others. And so, it's a bit of a that combination of bringing theory to practice and practice to theory and seeing what fun things come out uh, of that sandbox would you say that that um that the people that, that generally the people who are involved are explicitly interested in those things like that they are like relational practice nerds for example to some degree yes mm -hmm. definitely some existing nerds of that type and a few existing nerds of this type uh and some folks who aren't familiar with uh with either mm -hmm. but uh definitely the number one uh, trait is just that people are are seeking and hungry and trying to find meaning and craft meaning uh, in their lives and are looking to find the others uh, who are similarly oriented. Hmm. Cool. And you're in the second year now, right? So how many people are we talking? Yeah, not quite. We're about 
10 months old at oh, this right. point uh, that we've been meeting. So, um, yes, yeah, so we at times have been uh, five people uh, and at times we've been 15 uh, people on any given Sunday. Uh, right now we have a, a core of, you know, you'd, you'd expect to see about a dozen people uh, on a Sunday afternoon, uh, at least that's the U.S. time, uh, on a Sunday afternoon meeting uh, out of a membership of 20-something mm, and, you know, a few concentric rings of folks who are more loosely affiliated. And how, where do they come from? How do you find these people? Yeah. Uh, physically, they come from uh, New Zealand uh, all the way over to uh, UK and West Africa uh, with a preponderance of US and Canadian uh, membership. And that's just sort of our time zone bound in terms of meeting with each other synchronously. Uh, and I'd say uh, virtually, uh, I find these people or they find uh, us uh, through... Mm, uh, through what you might generally call the maybe the sense making web, uh, places like Game B and uh, the Stoa, although not directly, Emergent Commons. There are these communities out there um, trying to make sense of the world. And then I'd pointed a, another maybe constellation that my best personal word for it would be kind of like the the meaning making web. Uh, of communities who are trying to, yeah, find and build meaning with each other and understand community and community development better. Uh, and that'd be places like, uh, like building belonging and starter cultures uh, and those kinds of places. I'm really curious about um, this kind of filtering process of like, how does someone how do they match? You know, how do they know that like, this is the place for me? Because as I understand it, you basically have an open door, right? Like if people feel like they respond to the invitation, then they're welcome to join. Is that right? Let's say we have a fairly permeable membrane. Yes. Mm. Uh, without a strong filter at the moment. Because mm. that's, that's, I have, I basically, I have some fears about doing that, you know, that. Um, Absolutely having been involved with lots of communities that, that are very explicitly open and inviting, uh, often it invites kinds of diversity that are really hard to hold. So just like people are on really different missions in the world and then they just don't agree on any of the tactics or the strategy or the values. And it's like, well, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be in the same room. Um, <laughs> but that I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with because it's fun to practice, you know, being with that kind of difference. But there's mm -hmm. another one which is more about like, people with really intense psychological issues or emotional needs and coming with this like massive heavy load that I'm like, Ooh, we don't actually have capacity to hold. Like you obviously need a great deal of compassion and support to work through whatever you're going through in your life. Um, but this is a zoom call every week. This is not therapy. This is not like, this is not a church, you know, like this, we don't have the, right. um, the structure in place. And so I've, with the community building I've been doing the last couple of years, I've actually been quite defensive about letting people in, you know, like being having very high um, boundaries up and letting people in gradually and sort of trying to, I mean, maybe I over-engineer it, you know, and try to make everything perfect and, and, and smooth. I want tell me more about your experience of, of having that semi-open, semi-permeable membrane. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah, now the Sunday meetings uh, are private. The, the Zoom link is not on the internet. Uh, it's, so it's a little bit guarded. The way in to intentional society 
perhaps someone has, you know, seen uh, seen an event advertised, or they've found the website. Uh, maybe they've you know gotten some newsletters uh, at this point. But the uh, the front door, the route, is through what's we call an orientation call. Uh, you don't just come into a Sunday, you come to a Saturday meeting, uh, mm-hmm. which is an orientation call, uh, which is usually me uh, sitting there and a few other folks uh, that are interested, curious uh, on that given week or few weeks uh, time period. And uh, I do my best then to try to explain uh, what intentional society is, how it's structured, how we function, and what kind of characteristics make a good fit uh, for folks. Uh, and you know, just then kind of chat and Q and A uh, with those those folks, and so it's not a it's not directly a one to one basis, but it's one to a few. We get to know mm-hmm. each other a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and then subsequent to that uh, orientation call, uh, folks would get an invitation to the Sunday meetings. Uh, and so there's a, there's an ability there to to filter and screen a little bit. Uh, honestly, I've used it much less than you might expect. Uh, I think we I think we benefit from a high degree of a self-selection effect uh, that people who you know, are are interested, recognize that this is for them, are already are already on that journey usually of self development, and they've done a fair amount of work in themselves uh, and with themselves. And so, uh, yeah, we can we can recognize that. And there have um, have only been uh, a few cases uh, where we really have to deal with oh, maybe this isn't maybe this isn't such a good fit uh, in in the sense of. Yep, we don't have the resources, or this is not the, the the bounds of the container. But by and large, we are also looking for and encouraging that kind of the kind of diversity that stretches. Uh, mm-hmm. And we think that uh, you know a great number of axes of diversity are useful uh, for you know seeing and reflecting differences is a great way to get an outside perspective on yourself uh, and how the things that you might believe. Uh, or the things that you're used to are not just the way the world is because you've never known any different, but are are actual things, objects, uh, and that we can see and be aware of and make choices about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say from my perspective, at least, um, I expect people are filtering themselves really well because, like I said, your website's really clear. It's really like, it's quite inspiring to me. I, I feel like I am coming into a phase where I want to be able to document more clearly, like, this is what we're doing. These are the reference points. These are the principles. If you match this, you're welcome. I just, at, at the moment, it all kind of lives implicitly somewhere in my guts. Um, what about if, if you were, you know, you'd invited someone in and then you'd, they'd come a few times and then you develop the sense or someone else developed the sense like, oh, I actually really don't feel safe with this person. I've got a strong concern or I don't think we should be developing this relationship. Like, is there any kind of mechanism at the stage for like conflict resolution or even um, potentially needing to kick people out at some stage or like, have you got any of that governance in place? Right, right. Uh, the the governance in terms of formal models, I would say is fairly wobbly or, or nebulous still, but uh, has happened a couple times. Uh, like I said, the, you know, the membrane being fairly porous, fairly loose uh, means that we, yeah, need to be prepared for that. Um, there are, 
Well, there there's some number of of folks um, who have who have actually kind of bounced off and mostly self bounced uh, in terms of uh, they get in the fit doesn't quite feel right or maybe they're more maybe they're more project oriented and they want to do more than than we're more kind of the the mission is the members we're more internally focused right now. Um, or maybe they need more structure. I've had uh, a few folks explicitly say, ah, oh, this is too loosey-goosey. Uh, I don't really know what's going on here. I want a place with more structure. You know, great, that's, that's totally fine. Uh, one of our core values is, um, is acceptance. Acceptance in the being with reality and being with what is uh, and being able to roll with what is. Uh, and so we, we trust that people can leave uh, as well as they can come, uh, and we'll we'll celebrate and farewell. Best wishes, you. If this is not the play, great. Find somewhere else. There's hopefully there's a thousand. We need a thousand yeah. different communities out there of different yeah. kinds and natures and flavors. But, um, but yeah, we've we've then uh, lastly to get to maybe the the hardest toughest uh, cases. Uh, we have had a couple of folks uh, that uh, oh this isn't working. And there's, you know, maybe there's a lack of, uh, of, of self-awareness or there's a, an actual explicit conflict between people. And um, that so far, you know, when you're small, you can do things that don't scale. Uh, yeah. Is one of those startup world uh, maxims, uh, and so far, we've just we've we've held it and we've dealt with it. And um, yeah, sometimes it's the topic uh, for the community is, hey, let's look at this, bring this out, and how do we want to deal with this? Uh, and um, yeah, maybe I'll I'll avoid specifics, uh, you know, of because we've only had you know a, a couple cases uh, at this time, but it's it's absolutely a, a tension and one that. Um, Kind of as we as we encounter these, um, another another one of our organizational precepts is, is just in time structure mm. uh, that we we didn't we kind of didn't want to go ahead and build out like all this big complicated like rule set for here's what to do in every you know the flow chart uh, of conflict management. Uh, instead, it's kind of like all right. All right, we've just done one. Now, what do we need, and what do we want to better support ourselves with scaffolding next time? But um, try to avoid maybe the the trap of thinking that we can write down an airtight set of rules that removes the the human element of of judgment and relationship and the tensions that come with that. Um, so, it's trying to find that balance. Mm, I appreciate that. Um, with the just in time structure, though, I'm wondering. Like, I guess I'm wondering about your role and your vision. You know, obviously, like you wrote a manifesto. Um, you're showing up consistently. Uh, I, I would assume that anyone just kind of organically has these assumptions about what level of responsibility you're taking or like what role you'd play in decisions about if we had to exclude someone, for instance. Um, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm conscious you don't want to get ahead of yourself and design structures ahead of time that you don't need yet. But I am wondering um, if you allow yourself to imagine a little uh, a year, two, three years into the future, do you have a picture of like how, how your role changes, uh, how, yeah, kind of how leadership happens or, or who has a sense of ownership? You know, those kind of questions. Like mm -hmm. I'm assuming it starts and it's like James owns this. <laughs> and there's, there's some kind of process of opening and sharing. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just curious, like where you are in that spectrum, what your vision is and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I could talk for a long time. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in that domain. Uh, and it's, you know, I would, I'd maybe point to some of the, you know, some of the language around microsolidarity uh, and <clears throat> uh, calling and callers uh, and crews and the kind of orientation uh, that is not the, you know, traditional corporate hierarchy and you have bosses and employees, but, you know, how do you come together? Uh, but how do you, you know, how do you do kind of the, the more flatter egalitarian thing, but then not get caught in the trap of, everybody's equal and nobody can make any decisions uh, and everything is, is kind of stuck. Uh, and yeah, recognize what do you, what do you do with, with leadership and decision-making uh, and ownership uh, and how a group organizes itself. So yeah, gosh, there's, there's so much there. Um, obviously, as you said, uh, the, at the start, you know, like I'm just this one person, I wrote this manifesto, I'm calling people. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was, I've been trying to hold myself as okay. I'm a I'm a caller of this, uh, and there's a particular vision, but I'm also inviting people in to co-create this vision explicitly, uh, and I want to 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 mix and swirl around, and you know, gradually over time, uh, turn this into absolutely community-owned, uh, community-organized, uh, very distributed self-organizing system uh on the whole and so yeah that's um i suppose that's in general kind of a a a long process uh and a long organic evolution uh of how that can develop but um but yeah we we want to be aware of the things even that we're leaving nebulous and holding loosely uh, to go back to conflict uh, resolution as an example, uh, I have a the the meta meta uh, of of IS uh, and how we how we change the way that we change the way that we that we do stuff. The you know the double meta layer and there's a slide in there right now that says conflict resolution undefined you know, undefined explicitly. So the implicit object recognition is. The buck stops with James. You know, like we've got to recognize there's not nothing there. Yeah. There's no, you know, you can't do the the the, um, the tyranny of structurelessness. Uh, we might both be familiar with that that phrase. So you want to avoid that uh, tyranny of the implicit unconscious ruling what you're doing. Uh, so we do our best to name those things. And oh, even though we haven't like written the guidebook out for that, there's something um, there. In my experience of um, starting a co-op, conflict resolution was the last thing to be decentralized. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, when things are going well, sure, I can decentralize, like, oh, you can host that, you can lead there, I'll lead here. Um, But when there's this real difficult tension, all eyes turn to who's the most trusted person in the room. Right, that makes sense. And that that just takes time. It takes time. It takes um, not just time, but also a kind of mindset, a kind of orientation, towards distributing leadership, which um, which I, I don't know if we can kind of put it into process or, or, or put it into structure or document it into these lovely PDFs, like this is how you decentralize leadership. I get the sense that um, I feel like I learned a lot of it from 
witnessing other people doing it. And if you interviewed them and asked them how they're doing it, they wouldn't know. It's this like very tacit knowledge. Um, and so it's like been communicated to me in a subconscious way. And now I picked up some of it, you know, there's also other parts that are unconscious and I don't know, but um, yeah, I've got the sense that there's some kind of skills involved in doing this kind of work, like community building in generally, but specifically this distributed leadership where it seems like it gets passed down a lineage through face-to-face contact and time spent together and some kind of like, uh, it, it feels like there's almost something magical or, or mystical going on there. You know, it's like not quite, but it's very hard to put your finger on like, how is this transmission happening? It seems to be very subtle. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that like, so when I first published Microsolidarity, I explicitly said, we're going to start this new community and it's not in spiral, it's learning from in spiral. And then in the, the way it actually played it out was we actually did stick with in spiral and we've been cultivating in spiral Europe. So we've defined, here's a, here's a, a regional boundary, a subset of the global. And doing it that way has come with some benefits and some costs and the cost just being more complexity because we have to reference a global network of a few hundred people who are going to have opinions about what we're doing in this, in this local place. And I, I keep tossing it up, you know, tossing and turning, should we do it this way or not? Or should we just branch out and make our own thing with all that freedom? Right. And the, the thing that struck me um, in the summertime just now that really kind of sealed the deal about why to do it with the Inspiral name is we had our first face-to-face gathering. We had people together for four or five days. And at the end of that gathering, two people put their hand up to host the next gathering. Two people who are not me. <laughs> you know, I was one of the co-hosts of this one. And one of the things we inherit from Inspiral is this culture of decentralized leadership, is this expectation. Just because Rich helped to host this one doesn't mean we expect him to do anything next time. Like uh, that was kind of pre, pre-installed. That came pre-installed with the name Inspiral that people mm. knew, even though most of them, it was their first contact with actually being in an Inspiral group face-to-face. Uh-huh. They already knew that that was an expectation there. And right. that to me is just so valuable to know that the next gathering, like I'm going to support it. I'm going to contribute in some way, but it doesn't, it doesn't depend on me leading it. And that just feels like such a huge advantage compared to if I was in your position, having been the, the first person to start, naturally people are just going to keep expecting and expecting and expecting. You're going to keep holding some kind of central role, you know? And I wonder right. if there's a way that um, in the same way that Inspiral was that download for my group. I wonder if microsolidarity as a general frame can, can help people in that direction too, so that we can kind of set this as it's slowly becoming a more um, recognized framework that lots of people care about. Right. If we can bake in some assumptions and expectations about leadership that people can really get, they can grapple with, then my, my hope, my aspiration is that someone can say, hey, I'm doing something inspired by microsolidarity and then people know like, oh, okay, that means I'm going to have to lead some of the time. <laughs> I'm not just going to keep <laughs> expecting that it's going to be created for me. Mm-hmm. I would be really interested in, I guess, maybe seeing the, the concise and clear, what are those, you know, what would those core assumptions be uh, and what's baked in? Uh, I'm, I do, you know, yeah, some folks uh, come into intentional society uh, from various places with awareness of microsolidarity. 
Uh, and I, I smile with that. I smile when that happens uh, because I know, oh, good, good. There's, we're going to have some alignment here. Uh, you know, we share that, that piece of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a little, perhaps it's also a little swirly still of like, well, what pieces? Uh, and a lot of people might come in with sort of like a, a concept of a crew and, and thinking about crewing and, and what does that mean, um, which is great. And then in intentional society, we've spent a whole bunch of time sort of liminally, uh, you know, floating between the crew and the congregation levels mm-hmm. of that fractal of belonging there. Uh, and so that, you know, that's been an interesting thing, but it's not just the straight up, you know, okay, great. We've got the vocabulary. We know how to talk about crews. Uh, and um, we even used that language uh, very strongly in uh, one of our quarters. We did a, we called it a boat building uh, experiment where we said, okay, we're going to, we're going to build some boats together. Okay. And now who, so they're the callers, they're the, the captains of the boats, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but we didn't say captain because yeah. maybe that brings like leadership authoritarian, you know, but the callers and crews. Uh, and so the crews then built their boats and what they were going to do. And then they went sailed off on a five week expedition. Uh, to, and then uh, before we came back to the community campfire on the beach to, to share stories again, but um yeah, I love. Um, mm, I love that you can get. I love that you can get that baked in within Spiral, and reap the rewards there of, of over a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, over a decade of of work and building, uh, and working and influencing, uh, and at this point in Spiral, like the name, yeah, carries that rich imagery with it, right? Of of what you expect. Uh, when you hear that name. So um, that's great. I like to hear that. <laughs> then there's the painful confrontation with reality when the expectations don't quite. <laughs> but I, I was told. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. We're still making it up as we go. We're still f- figuring it out. It's still very dysfunctional in lots of ways. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The, the dance between the, the aspirational and the lived reality of it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know, yeah, where you're at and, and like what feels easy and obvious and like, yeah, this is giving me energy and it's juicy and it's good. And where is there a struggle or like, you know, where is there a, like a, a, a half of a thought where you're like, hmm, I just know that there's something that needs to happen here, but I don't know what it is or, you know what I mean? Like, where is there this kind of, um, any knots in the system? I'd love to hear both of these, both of these sides. Hmm. All right, you're going to make me sense and search here. Um, hmm. The energy, the energy that we're following week to week, um, our our path of, I'm going to say, steering versus planning. Uh, has felt really good. And at least to me, of course, I'm very involved uh, in this to the max degree there. And, but uh, to, to others in feedback as well, it's we're, we're kind of doing this community sensing and steering of what's next, what's alive. We're, we're always kind of exploring. We're focusing at the same time on connecting and building connections and relationships uh, and exploring and learning. Uh, and and developing explicitly as well. So we kind of tend to go on a on mainly a week to week basis, uh, and we have a we have a meta meeting 
uh, that's separate from the the Sunday do the thing meeting. Uh, and uh, and we also have though meta time in the Sunday meetings. Uh, so we kind of try to weave this in, uh, this multi-layer awareness uh, of what we're doing and how we're steering uh, and sensing our own energy in ourselves uh, as and after we, we do each thing together. So I love that. And I mean, I come from a background of corporate world and quarterly plans and multi-year plans and doing all of this planning, 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 and which would just then like every time, you know, a few weeks later, the world has diverged and you're making things up anyway. So uh, not pretending to be in big planning mode has mm -hmm. been quite a relief for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we I think we all really enjoy kind of the flexibility and the agility then of because um, sometimes it'll be a surprise uh, that that sometimes something comes uh, an emotion or attention uh, will will arise and just naming that into the space. Well, then, you know, suddenly you feel kind of that that click as other people go, oh, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, as something juicy comes out and then, yeah, we can chase that the next week or a series of weeks uh, and we can follow the kind of where the energy and where the passion is taking us. So mm. that's maybe one of the most delightful and life giving, energy giving um, aspects of what we're doing. The way you describe it, it makes me think like there's a difference between, okay, planning, we know that. Um, but then there's also this like making it up as we go unconsciously. But right. you're, you're doing something that's much more awake and paying attention and inviting, it sounds like inviting people to be aware of the experience that we're having as we're having it. And, mm -hmm. and to be collectively reflecting on how does it feel? What does it look like? Where is it going? What's alive? What's, what's dying? And, and doing that in the present moment constantly yeah. um i recognize that this feeling of a it, it, to me it feels like a collective organism coming online and having its own like i've become a sensing organ of a, of a greater body and that's right. just <laughs> yeah that, i get a real kick out of that yeah yeah and when things are going well that's the sense that i've had of you said being a sensing organ uh, of it's not, it's not me in my smarts and wisdom picking like, oh, okay, here's the list of the next three or four things that would enhance our education. And, you know, it's, um, it's being a sense organ of, of just kind of channeling the community as a whole uh, and what we're hearing and what's bubbling up and emerging. And, but, you know, taking the, taking the balcony perspective uh, mm. on all of that too, mm. uh, to go back to the boats analogy again, it's kind of there's there's a wind pushing at your sails, but there's also the the hand on the tiller, uh, you know, and so that the cooperation of the energy and the steering. Mm. Uh, so yeah, is not the oh we're just floating along mm. wherever the wind may take us, uh, but it's the, yeah it's that dance and figuring out um, and that dance of not trying to like not trying to ram the boat directly against the wind, yeah. uh, but neither letting it drift either. Mm. If I, if you forgive me for being a little epic for a second, I have a, I've been thinking a bit about like, what was it like before humans were humans? You know, like when we crossed that threshold where we decided we're not animals anymore, we're people. Okay. Um, and I suspect that the threshold was, was about this thing of self-awareness, right? It's like, 
waking up one day and being like, wow, I'm an individual and I have, I have wants and needs and I can act on them somehow. Like I have, I'm, I have agency. And I, and I wonder if there's another stage of evolution, which is about groups doing that and, and groups becoming self-aware and going, whoa, I'm not just subject to the culture that I'm in. The culture is an object and I can shape it. We can shape it together to make, we can set our intention, right? And, and actually cultivate something that is not default. It's not something purely inherited. It's not random. It's actually designed and it, and it, and it has some kind of function. We can make tools in our culture. Like that, <laughs> that's that's part, part of my big vision, I think, of what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. I like the the epicness uh, of that there. <laughs> Was it Whitehead or somebody who said like the the measure of civilization is the uh, number of things that can be done uh, that can be done without thinking about them? Mm. Uh, but uh, I think that's the end stage of any you know to go from unconscious to conscious uh, you know and from incompetence to competence you know in something. Uh, so yeah, extending the number of things in a group that we can see mm. that we can notice that we can know are going on uh, and bring those up and being able to work with those. Yeah. It is absolutely something that uh, feels to me like we're, we're pushing at the edge or the boundary uh, in some way, at least in some small way of what it means to be a group, to be a self-aware group. Uh, and what are the, what are the next forms uh, of groups uh, and the, the, capabilities what kind of capabilities come online uh when we can when we can have this expanded field uh of awareness and just more more tools like you're saying tools the toolkit the language the vocabulary the models that we have and share in our heads uh if we know that we share these models like they they absolutely become our toolkit and enable us to to do more so what about the other side Mate, this yep. is it's sweet to get you know juiced up on this inspiration, <laughs> but I'm also always very hungry to hear what's not going so well or where do you mm -hmm. feel like yeah you need some support or there's something that there's like a missing piece or any, anything like that. Yeah, I'm gonna say one place where I feel like the toolkit is still lacking. Uh, and the language, the vocabulary, the models uh, is to you know go back you, to, to talk about the role of, of leadership mm -hmm. uh, and the, the role of the you know founder or source or whatever word you use for that uh, and how to work with uh, the the aspects of that because it can all be one big you know, tangled um, knot or big ball of mud or something. If if I show up, I welcome everybody. Uh, I do the check in. Hey, I'm then I'm facilitating the main thing, and oh, I'm handling conflict resolution over here, and like all those things can just be a blur of like, oh, James is the guy, mm -hmm. you know, who just does it all, uh, and pulling that apart. Uh, piece by piece uh, and how to and how to work with that. And there are some maybe easier parts of that. Uh, you can say, oh, look at the facilitation of the Sunday session. Let's start to break that apart. And all right, who wants to do this piece? Uh, and all right, hey, do you want to do this segment over here? Share about this thing and lead it, you know, uh, you can start to break that apart. But the, um, the squishier parts of the, uh, when you said like, 
all heads turn towards you know you and look at you because of the you know implicit like social like there's you know in the back of our heads there's this social influence ranking or hierarchy uh unconsciously that like oh okay well there's a fight or a conflict all right who do we look to you know that kind of thing um that feels uh it feels hard hmm. even when we're even when we're doing our best to kind of look at it directly uh it feels kind of muddled that that sort of you know your your tongue is heavy or floppy you know kind of sense of like oh the words ugh, you know just just don't want to come because mm. uh, the the language isn't there the concepts it's hard like we uh it's hard to know if we're sharing the concepts or not uh and and relationships to leadership and to structure and to organization they're absolutely intersecting with development and perspective and different people are at different places and have different worldviews on how the world does work and how the world should work and what good quote unquote organization and leadership and decision making look like uh, so that's a so that's kind of a it's not a, I wouldn't go so far as to call it quicksand, mm. uh, but it's you know that's kind of one of more of those tougher areas. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if how much of this is like a private struggle for you, and how much of this is you've shared in the group. And yeah, yeah, um, good question. Because uh, of course the answer is yes and yes and not a hundred percent. Uh, but definitely not zero percent either. Mm. Uh, mm. It's it's something I spent about five six months before the actually putting out the call uh, of intentional society, just kind of trying to look at those things mm. within myself and deconstruct and detach and um, you know uh, relax and expand out you know after being in kind of the corporate uh, world and the conventional constraints that come with that that world and that worldview there uh, of just trying to like de you might even say like decolonize mm -hmm. you know my my own brain mm -hmm. uh, or de authoritarian you know uh, my my own brain uh, and sort of check my own balance of like okay what, do I have authoritarian pieces still lingering in me? Do I have anti-authoritarian pieces lingering in me that, that go too strongly towards egalitarianism because of my bad experiences mm. with misused authority? Mm. Uh, and it, it can go both directions. So yeah, it's been a, I, yeah, as you can probably tell, like quite a lively area for me personally, internally, uh, and trying to check myself and get greater awareness of myself. It's it's something that I really value being able to talk about mm. in the community uh, and being able to have other people give their honest feedback of what they see me doing mm. uh, and what effects they see on the group with that. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, occasional to uh, fairly regular meta topic uh, for us to kind of explore into that, uh, into that area. And it's, well, and it's only compounded by the, the inequality of time and energy. And I'm, 
you know, I'm explicitly, I talk about, I'm, I'm putting a lot of catalyzing energy into the group. And so I'm doing a lot right now that I wouldn't see myself doing all those things in five years or even two years, uh, you know, if, down the, the future road of intentional society. Uh, but it's kind of at this point, the reality of like, yeah, I'm like the, the full-time employee, uh, not even full-time even, mm. but like I'm the one employee, you know, who has the time and the bandwidth and the, you know, invest ability uh, to, to do all that, that a lot of other people don't. Uh, mm. And so that's a, that's a kind of, you know, inequality there uh, that also has to be worked with in that space. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you're sharing this and I, I can, I can feel that it's, um, yeah, like you said, it's lively. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of thoughts and feelings tied up in it. Um, I guess I asked because I'm sensing into my own leadership role here, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm in. I'm currently a bottleneck or an octopus in the middle of 25 different communities that are very similar to yours. Uh-huh. And and trying to play some kind of useful traffic control or and make introductions or notice oh these are common struggles that people are having and can I produce some you know useful resources language practices that help with it. Um, so not just within your latest community, but you know the meta network across communities. There. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's very gratifying to do that. Uh, it's exciting to feel connected to a bigger thing that I could ever get my hands around. Um, mm-hmm. it's very gratifying, but it also, it feels like this isn't a one person job, you know, it feels a bit kind of a mismatch somehow between, um, the values and the practice if it's just me. Uh, and so I'm thinking about how to take it to the next stage where it's more of a, there's like a meta crew that's, that's, that's holding this thing. That's kind of setting boundaries and defining principles and so on. Um, and so it's useful to hear from you. I'm thinking like if you were in a network of peers who are in the same, doing a very similar role to you, um, where would you really want to get support? And this leadership question being one of them. Um, I feel like I've got some, some headway on that, but not much, (laughs) you know, it's like, um, yeah. In 10 years of working with Inspiral, we've, we've wrestled with these questions a lot. So I feel like I've made some headway, but there's so much more to learn. And the only way for me to learn is with other people with related experience. Mm -hmm. Um, one piece that came to me as you were talking is um, uh, you said like having a floppy tongue. And uh, to me is like not having really precise language, yeah. not quite knowing what the words are, or missing a frame, knowing that there should be a framework, but not knowing what it is. Um, one that's helped me, which also doesn't feel sufficient, but has been helpful is um, distinguishing power from within, power over and power with. Um, and they're kind of like drawing from different sources, but p- power from within being kind of like confidence, agency, like the creative spirit that, that, that I feel when I'm, um, you know, fully activated. And it's got nothing to do with anyone else. It's something that's, that's activated in me. And then the power over being, in my case, it's like 
the polarization between my authoritarian and my anti-authoritarian tendencies that wind up being like a control freak. That's me exerting my power over others, right? And and collapsing their agency and, and extending my subjectivity as if it were objectivity, <laughs> that, that dimension. Um, and then power with, and power with is named by Mary Parker Follett, who's just like amazing organizational theorist from hundreds of years ago, being like reputation and influence and, and that social, the power that you have with other people, that connectedness that you have with other people and your, um, your role in a system where the group can empower you and say, we know and trust you on these particular topics and therefore you're powerful on this issue. And we can, we can remove that instantaneously the second you lose our trust. Um, and just knowing that there's these three different kinds and many other kinds as well, you know, you can go into the conversation about privilege and identity and that sort of thing as well, like many, many different dimensions, just starting to unpack in greater detail what are some of the concepts that we're talking about here? Because they tend to be all stacked on top of each other. And, and it's like, oh, this person has a lot of power with, you know, they are, they are hugely respected. Um, there might be an elder, some kind of respected figure in our group. And therefore they have a huge amount of influence on certain topics. And that reminds me a lot of the domination power, the authoritarian power over, but those things are different. They've got really different, crucially different um, qualities and attributes. And we've got to be careful that one doesn't slip into the other, you know, that it doesn't, uh, that we don't relax and go like, oh yes, I'm this wise elder and therefore things should go my way. <laughs> you know, it's that, right. that kind right. of sliding. But by the same token, if everyone, if you have people in the room that are super sensitive to any expression of authority, that they won't let you lead on the thing that everyone trusts you to lead on, mm. that's also a problem, right? So there's, there's, there's yeah. a, a great degree of sensitivity required, which to me needs language and models. Uh, and it also just needs plenty of time to talk about because anyone that I've met that's been interested in these issues has a whole bunch of emotional baggage that goes with the concepts, right? It's not just like, hmm, yes, how do we design this organizational chart? It's what are my feelings about my dad and the horrible experience I had at school and what happened, what did I learn at workplace? And, you know, all these, there's, we're always like this close to trauma when it comes to talking about authority and domination and power. It's like, mm -hmm. this is a big thing that, that doesn't get, resolved by one very clean framework or you know mm -hmm. it's not a one-shot thing where you're done with it um yeah. but I, it, yeah that feels to me like a partial step in the right direction but it also feels like what i've described is, is kind of a weak instrument confronting the, the enormity of the challenge that you're describing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i get this uh i get this image of you know hey we're we're trying to I don't know, make that transition, you know, from pre-human to human, uh, referencing back to the, to that, you know, and, and we're, you know, is this metacognition coming online and what's, what's showing up in our cave paintings, uh, right now of, okay, there's some suggestive stuff and maybe you can see this starting to take shape, but, um, but we've got a long way to go still in the, the development of, of language. Mm -hmm. And so much like you describe as well, this, um, uh, for a lot of us, it happens subconsciously, but we, we are as mammals tracking the landscape of status in any group. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of the status has to just do purely with trust. Like this person did me a favor one time and therefore I, I look up to them. Um, 
And I'm just thinking, you know, you've described that everything's been happening on Zoom so far. And there are, there are, I think there are kinds of trust that can't be accessed in virtual connection. I think there's, there's, there's kind of like uh, trust building experiences that happen when you're sitting next to each other at a table and you're eating a meal that you cook together after having walked through the forest, you know, there's like, there's this kind of quality of relationship that can only, I think so far can only be cultivated through that embodied face-to-face connection where we get to sniff each other's pheromones and, you know, allow the, allow the mammal body to do the thing that it does. So I'm, I, uh, it makes me wonder if the virtualness presents a fundamental obstacle to that, or if it's just another ingredient to work around, like all the other ingredients, like our, you know, cultural inheritance and whatever's going on in the politics around us and everything else create obstacles and we just have to be creative and, and kind of work and flow through that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, um, yeah. What do you think? Uh, do you think that there's a f- fundamentally kind of qualitatively different kind of of bonding that happens or, or how much would that just be to a, you know, a, a degree of, of speed or depth or, you know, easiness to hardness. Uh, I look at that and I, I don't really know mm. um, where, where do you think that would, uh, would fall is, are, are the pheromones uh, real and, and important or, or does it, does that merely speed up? Uh, a process that uh, isn't fundamentally different. I think I'm, I've, I've caught myself being conservative with this question. Um, like for example, for the Inspiral European community, we were planning to start with a gathering and we couldn't do it because of the pandemic. And so then we did some online stuff and I was very, I had very low expectations for what we could do with virtual gathering. Okay. Um, and was really impressed with what, what happened. Like the first virtual gathering we had, uh, it was a very clear transition of power where instead of there being three of the kind of like old hands holding the thing in the middle, um, six other of the new hands stepped up and said, we also want to hold something. We also want to take responsibility for this thing. We care about it. Um, so that was really impressive to me that that happened just purely through digital connection. Um, but then getting together face-to-face and having a really high quality group process with plenty of space and good food and everything, it does accelerate stuff. So I guess I'm, I'm at, the, at, at the moment, I'm thinking it's not like a hard block. It's just you're playing on the hard level, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and for us, um, I mean, Intentional Society did start during the pandemic, uh, but in my heart and brain uh it also was not online and virtual because of Mm. purely the the pandemic uh and so this is maybe one of the yeah one of the biggest pieces of you know grand experiments uh is to see uh, what can we do uh Mm. in this medium uh how deep can we go uh and we haven't conclusively answered that question by any means uh and certainly not yet and you know who knows if we even will uh at some point but um yeah that's a big just open curiosity for me yeah me too i mean i've been impressed every time we've run a micro solidarity program open to anyone to join out of a cohort of you know 40 or 50 people in these two groups probably 10 to 20 of them every time we've done it 
they'll form into crews that then have longevity that really keep going. So even mm. just off that, and that's, you know, most of the programs have been one or two weeks. There've been a couple of calls, just, I mean, it's very highly designed, the group process that we're putting people through to like accelerate right. that, that relationship building. But it's been surprising that the, there's actually sustained energy afterwards that people want to keep going on together. Um, so I, yeah, I've, I've really, um, I mean, the pandemic for me was pre-pandemic, all of my business was facilitation and training in person. And then post-pandemic, 100% moved into the virtual space. And I've just been really impressed. Like, wow, we can do a lot. There's so much opportunity here. Like you mentioned West Africa, like the, the, the people that we get to connect with now and involve and include, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> we're having, yesterday I hosted a meeting with people in three different continents and it's just normal now, you know, that's really, that's yeah. really amazing. That really gives me a, a sense of optimism as well. Hey, we're nearing the end of the hour and I have to, I have to go on time. Um, I'm curious if there's any, yeah, if there's any, anything on your mind, if there's any, you know, if we've got adjacent to any territory that you'd love to talk about before we wrap up. Um, nothing's, nothing's tugging at me that I've, or itching at me. <laughs> well, then let me say thank you. I mean, what you're doing is really important. It's, we're, you know, we're walking an uncharted path. Um, from what I can tell, just from the outside, it seems like something incredibly wholesome and beneficial for the people who are participating. I know that you don't get a lot of uh, external reward for doing that work, but uh, I just want to say, keep it, keep it up. It's really important. And if I can support in some way, I want to be a resource for you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you, you have, and your work has been, and so I, uh, I continue to appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, it's good to connect here. And uh I look forward to, uh, I think, more at the at the meta level, that mm. meta network, mm. uh, and connecting and bridging and uh, developing developing together uh, across that meta network, uh, the connections uh, and the language and the supports uh, and the way that because uh, yeah, there's so much that um, there's so much out there and so many people and orgs out there that like this is wonderful. This is great. I feel so aligned. I'm glad that you exist in the world. It's not this thing. There were different things. It's great. But like, uh, what a beautiful field of flowers uh, can, can bloom across the landscape. I mean, I really believe that there are some kinds of challenges you're likely to encounter in your role that, that could be enough to like sink the whole community and that what will make the difference is having peers outside your community that have similar experience that you can turn to. Like I've had that in my own experience of building organizations and communities. Mm -hmm. um, so I am really, I'm personally, I'm really committed to building this meta network. Um, I think there's desire for it and there's traction for it. There's potentially even funding for it so we can pay people to take roles. So it's not just me and my volunteer energy. So I think it's coming. I don't want to overpromise, but I think over the next couple of months, really by the end of the year, I think I'll have it. Um, a bit more articulated and said, instead of it being, because at the moment it's underground, it's all the mycelium of me just knowing people and having conversations. Okay. Uh, but there's going to be a, there's going to be a coming out party soon where there'll be Ooh, spaces. <laughs> and I'll say as well, maybe just a little teaser, my sense of how leadership works. One part of it is um, that's important to me is I really want to fight back against the tendency to abstraction and just like, just constantly let's go more and more and more meta Mm -hmm. um, and so the price of entry is like, um, if you want to join a crew or host a crew, you have to be 
doing some kind of interior work. You have to be curious about the relationships inside of yourself. That's, that's the price of entry. You have to be willing to do that. That seems to be, for me, a non-negotiable. Yeah. And then if you want to be leading a community, a congregation scale, then you have to be hosting congregations, multiple congregations, and tending to the relationships between those congregations. And then if you want to be operating at the meta congregation scale, at the meta network, you have to be relating between multiple congregations and actively connected and plugged in at each of those levels and, and helping to mediate between them. And there could be continuous meta, meta, meta. We could keep going up and up this kind of fractal. But as far as I can tell so far, where my, where my gut says is if you want to be at that very high level, you have to be at all of the other levels as well. You have to maintain that, that chain of integrity Right. Um, because there's so many people, especially you named Game B, places like that where people are excited to describe a view of how society could be done differently. Yeah. And they're not even organizing at the scale of 10 people yet. And right. I'm like, if you haven't organized 10 people, how do you know anything about, <laughs> about the real challenges of coordination? Like, it's really difficult. That's the reason things suck is because the problems are actually hard. <laughs> so... Um, I'm sort of developing, I guess, in my brain, a kind of um, credentialing system. Like you're welcome to help design this meta network if you're participating at the previous levels and you're competent at those mm. levels and people trust you at those levels. And, and, then, mm. and then we might be able to just keep going up and up and up and scale, but only as we've actually built the competence at each of the preceding scales. Right, right. Yeah. Which, you know, may at, at, in one way, look a lot harder uh definitely the, you know the hard mode versus the oh just describe the picture of what society should look like uh but um but i absolutely agree that like seeing that fractal uh and working with that mm -hmm. fractal of all the different layers is uh is a key i don't know is, is almost one of those key requirements like you're not going to get it right mm -hmm. otherwise uh, if you can't, if you can't see the fractal and uh, and work in and with uh, that fractal, because otherwise you just um, your map's too simple, uh, and you're you're working with a false, you know, it's going to bite you. Uh, that that reality is hecka complex. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and imagine how amazing it would be to be in a crew of people who are all experienced with meta networks that are all <laughs> sitting on top of a stack of expertise and experience. Like, oh yeah. man. I could yeah. die happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's coming soon. And let's awesome. wrap it up here. Thank you so much, James. It's really valuable for you to share your experience with others. Thanks for coming along. And let's have another conversation in some number of months and we can see you know, how things have progressed. That'd be great. I will look forward to that. Thanks. Nice. Yeah.